Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist. Registered kinesiologist. <laughs> this scene makes me laugh. I'm sorry. I'll do that again. Three. <laughs> sorry. Three, two, one. Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. You can probably feel the smile on my face. We have Pineapple Express pan in the background, and Seth Rogen is uh, about to serve someone in a hospital <laughs> had dental work yesterday we talked about that on our previous podcast and uh, it's 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 all good now it's all good you what can I speak again what I did realize when I'm at the dentist I can't keep my eyes open man I can't I can't see like all these tools and stuff going in my mouth I got to keep them closed and I just kind of chill out and relax so uh, I I still stand by I hate the dentist I said that yesterday I still hate the fucking dentist but I guess it's not that bad when your eyes are closed. Yeah, we had a whole conversation last night about the dentist and how different we are. Because I had dental work done a couple of weeks ago. And um, I realized genetically, I think I have a superior mouth. Yes, I <laughs> am the person that yeah. goes to my every I go every six months and get cleaning. Not me. I get my checkups done. I do all the things. I scale my own teeth. And yet I constantly <laughs> have dental problems. I always have to get worked. And this not has been I. since I was a child. I'm not a sweet eater. Like I don't even like sugar. You can ask Mark. He thinks I'm crazy. I don't I, uh, eat a lot of sweets. I know. Something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with me. <laughs> Who doesn't I, like ice I don't cream? like sugar. I don't like ice cream. What's I don't like candy. Like I don't eat sweets. And yet every time I would go to the dentist when I was a kid, there were cavities. I would brush regularly. So I got to a point where I was overbrushing, where I had one dentist say to me, you need to chill out. You're destroying the enamel of your teeth because I was brushing like four times a day. So anyway, we were discussing our, our dental uh, issues last night, I have a thing with the needle going in my mouth. Like, obviously, I don't have an issue with needles. I have tattoos. I've had like 12 piercings. But the needle going into my gums, the thought of it freaks me out. And I start having Just like panic attacks. Eyes, in the chair. My, my eyes are closed. It's because I know it's coming. And I start having a panic attack in the chair. And I told the guy, I had two children with no epidurals, not because I'm some kind of hero or because I was like, oh, I want to do everything naturally. Because I'm like, there's no fucking way you were sticking that in my spine. So I got a thing with I got a thing with needles. Anyway, you know what? I don't like about the dentist I don't know what to do with my tongue like I'm very I'm serious I'm very mindful about my tongue and I always feel like my tongue's kind of in the way so I'm purposely just trying to keep it out of the way and when I went to go do that every time before they freeze my mouth as soon as they put I always get the fucking needle on my tongue because I'm moving it around and they jab my tongue first following the needle yes and they pull it out quick they're like come on bro and I'm like I don't know what to do with my tongue Anyway, I wish, honestly, I wish they would just take some f- fucking clamps and just clip my tongue and hold it to the side for me because I don't they know what to do They might have to it. do that for you. Yeah, because I can imagine I probably look like Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> just kind of, anyway, whatever. Anyway, hey everyone, it's Amanda and we have Ed on the couch today. This episode's been a long time coming. Um, Ed and Mark became online friends in the last few years. They chat all the time about anything and everything. The and funnier part is if you were to see us, which you will in a video, you'd be like, why are these two friendly? Unlikely friends. <laughs> Because <laughs> we we rap about everything, literally yeah. everything. They they yeah. talk all the time, and uh, Ed's joined us for at least one of our business meetups, our virtual ones. Yeah, that was so right. so I've met him virtually yeah. one time before. But we've been saying that he's somebody we'd like to get on the podcast because he's got a lot of experience. He does some interesting stuff. Um, he's a registered massage therapist and a sport fellow, so he's been a long standing member of the. Well, I'm going to do the letter CSMTA. Did I do you, that? You Yes. I'm really bad with acronyms, by the way. I can say the full thing of something, but when I have to actually like say the letters, I have to really think about it. I don't know why this is a mental block for me. I'm really bad with that. 
really bad. Before we start off with the introductions and stuff, I, I, I'm just going to jump right into it. Sport Fellow. Why has there been a change in the title? The Canadian Sport Massage Therapy Association. CSMTA? Yes, CSMTA. I don't do that well. CSMTA. <laughs> See, it's hard. Um, they used to have their members be called, called Sport, Sport Massage, Massage Therapists. Therapist. And they were certificate candidates with a C, small CC behind, yeah. or they were fully certified with yeah. a large C, yeah. I assume. You got it. And uh, why the name change? Um, there's um, a protected title in British Columbia and Ontario. And uh, the CMTO deemed that um, the title massage therapist is protected and felt that the sport massage therapist was confusing to the public. Mm. And uh, That's really weird. Well, it, it is and it isn't because there are therapists in other provinces using the same title and they're not, reg they're not regulated. Right. And so there was confusion amongst different provinces <laughs> over the title. Mm. In fact- um, and there was there was uproar in the unregulated provinces about the change in the title. In fact, in the regulated provinces, once we switch the title, it's a title that the chiropractors use, the sport fellows. It's used the sport medicine uh, med medical doctors are using it, right. and now the physiotherapy uh, group are they're looking to switch it over. So hmm. it's uh, I'm glad that we switched over, but there was a there was a rough patch, and uh, I wasn't involved in the heavy hitting uh, dealing with the CMTO. But to me, I'll tell you why I think it's weird and then we'll and then we'll do yeah. the formal introduction. Because the title Sport Massage Therapist, I kind of get why the CMTO would say that the College of Massage Therapists of Ontario because in Ontario, the only people that, it's a protected title, the only people that can use the title Massage Therapy or its equivalent in French or any of these words in combination are members of the college. But for you to be a, a, a certificate candidate in the associate, the Sport Massage Therapy Association in Ontario, you have to be a massage therapist. That's so exactly it's what really, I was going to say. It's really strange to me because yeah. it's not like someone else can just walk around using that title in Ontario. They have to be a registered massage therapist. It's yeah, really I found weird. that confusing. And I also found that like there's a possibility for, I mean, there's always going to be a possibility to confuse the public, let's be honest. But right. if, with all of these different uh, professionals using Sport Fellow, there is also a, an opportunity for confusion as well. But anyway. I like it though. I like it's it. It's good. And I want to talk about that. Remind me because I'll forget. I want to talk about sport massage a little bit because I think a lot of people that are listening, they don't know what sport massage is. I think a lot of people just don't understand the difference oh, well, between like what I'd happens. I'd love to talk about Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's do yeah. that. Well, let's introduce let's Ed first. So Ed, uh, give us some background for everyone listening, um, what you were doing before massage, if this wasn't your first career, how you got into this, and then ultimately how you got into the world of athletics. And you should see sure. this guy. He he looks like a sport yeah, therapist. Everything like about him, the way he's, he's dressed, everything about him. Right yeah, now. he's ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Well, I started off. I was a tobacco farmer, and I was looking. I was. This looking, is where we start. <laughs> I was. I was growing tobacco, and I wanted to venture out into um, getting into growing some organic produce. And at that particular time, this would have been in the early 80s, it was very, very difficult to branch into, you know, like when you look at farmer's markets now, you know, there's all these niche markets and it's very close. But back then, you know, I came from a system where there was a marketing board. Right. So I thought, okay, I need some other supplementary income to roll with me while I grow my 20 acres of garlic and my wild herbs over in this section. And so I looked at two different programs um, because I was a pretty handy guy. I could multitask pretty good with my hands, like to problem solve. I looked at massage therapy and I looked at becoming a blacksmith because I was around, I, I lived near some Mennonites. See, this, this stuff makes so sense This is so interesting. This stuff yeah. makes sense to me. First off, the tobacco farm, is that a family business thing or? I grew up on a tobacco farm, okay. but then I when I, I left home, I was uh, considered what you would call a sharecropper. Gotcha. So I was working for somebody else. I supplied all the labor. Yeah. They had... Uh, 
In tobacco, they have a marketing board, just like our egg and milk production. So the farm owners supplied the land. Gotcha. They had the equipment, the buildings. They had the quota. So at that time, you could pay maybe $2 to grow a pound of tobacco, right. but they owned that. And okay. then the marketing board would set the rate. And then I would supply all the labor, mm. play all the fertilizer costs. You know, so the, if that chemical cost was $50,000 and whatever my labor cost Usually that was about a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. And at the end of it, we would split all the profits down the road. Uh, I did very well, but I got out of it at the right time. Mm. <laughs> Let's say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's a, it's a whole lifestyle and it's very, very different, but there are things that are farming. And then when I came into massage school, they go, people were asking me, how could you get into massage? It's so different than being a farmer. But I remember reading some studies and they looked at the, as a family farm was dying in Iowa, I think. Mm. And from a ideological standpoint, the natural transition for a farmer is to become a nurse. So you go from like nurturing soil to now you're supporting like, you know, working with people and stuff. So interesting. And in my sports world, it really ebbs and flows. Right. So like, uh, you know, there there's a time that's very seasonal. So- as a farmer, you know, kind of like January, February is a low time period. Mm-hmm. While January, February is a really busy time for me. But then mm-hmm. once I hit summertime, you know, my August is my chill time. Right, so right, there's right. lots of different different things, similarities and stuff. And yeah. I kind of get it. Because I always say like, if I didn't do this, and I can't, I think I just told you the other day. Literally like, yesterday. Let's just freaking move and I'm going to go back to school to become like a motorcycle mechanic or an auto tech or something. Because that to me is the same as massage therapy. It's the same marriage of the physical with your hands and yeah. the 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 brain power that mm-hmm. comes along with problem solving and blah, 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 blah. Well, I remember before I went to, uh, I went to Sutherland Chan and you had to take this intro course. And so you had to go to a massage therapist. And I went to this woman in Kitchener Waterloo and I'm lying on the table. And I don't know why she was doing this, but she was naming all the muscles that she was working on. I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, I, that's easy. I can do that. Mm. And that's how, that's how it started. How long ago did you go to Sutherland Chan? I graduated in 1986. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So when We you, have a lot of experience when, in this room. When you decided to do massage therapy then, there, was, there weren't many schools. There were three schools at that time. There weren't, I'm going to assume there weren't a lot of dudes. There weren't a lot of dudes. Uh people massage wasn't re- covered under people's insurance packages right, right. so it, it was just a very different culture mm. you know i remember standing out in front of i call it stress and chaos at the time uh sutherland <laughs> jan and i remember standing there were there a couple of cops standing there and uh one of them turned around and i was on a break and they looked at the building and they said to the other cop oh it's just another front for a sex trade and i was like completely <laughs> naive i had no idea oh, wow. like i'm like what like I didn't know anything. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. you know. I thought, oh, I'll just do this, and then I'll go back and farm while I'm doing this. And when the when the cop said that, I was just like, oh, okay, what did I get myself into? <laughs> What's going on here? Do uh, I need to dig deeper into the admin? The public perception was so strong. This oh, is yeah. what the cops are saying. Like, yeah. well, I I know I don't know if you've heard me say this before on an episode when I first told my family like I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to do massage therapy. Work. My uncle literally said to me like, "Isn't that sex work?" I'm like. Yes, yes, uncle. I'm telling you I'm going into a second. Come on. Get your head out of your ass. <laughs> so wait a minute. Farming seems to be very manly. Um, sports seems to be very manly. If if I'm just yeah. going off my old school definition of manly. Um, did you get roused for from your from your from your friends here about this guy's going to this guy's going to massage school? Uh well initially my uh father was very disappointed that I was leaving because he thought I was like Joe Farmer hmm. and he, he didn't speak to me for quite a while about that. Oh yeah. 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 
So that was a, uh, a big deal because I was like Joe Farmer. Like, you know, it was everything about me. Like my five best buddies when I was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Four of them, well, now they're all retired, but four of them were very, very successful farming. And when we asked in class, you know, in grade 10 health class, what are you going to do? We all put up some, we're going to be farmers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the only guy that built ship. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, there's a whole lifestyle that goes with that and there's a lot of up to it, but, um, I just wanted something different and, um, uh, and I wasn't getting it in the community where I was at. When your father is, is it like, is it when you say like, I don't want to do farming or is it when you're like, I'm going to massage school? Like, when does that go? If, 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 if and if you don't want to talk about it, you don't have to. I don't know if I can clearly define a point in time. Right. I just, he was just disappointed. Gotcha. And then he just didn't talk about it. You know, we uh. just didn't talk about it. And, but I think once I got more involved and my plan was always to leave Toronto because I hated being an urban, you know, I was farming on, I lived on a dirt road right. and I hated flashing lights. I hated everything about Toronto. And then, yeah. you know, two years later, I'm you know, working with Olympic teams right. and all of a sudden then my family's, you know, I'm sending them postcards from all over the world like, and they're oh, like, oh, okay, I guess it's doing something. I get, <laughs> I get it. I get it now. Yeah. That's, that's so how that rolled. Yeah. It's hard for people to understand, you know, even, you know, I went to massage school in what year, 2008. So like not even yeah. that long ago. And even then it was like trying to explain to my family what that means and what that is. If you've never really had exposure to it, like we didn't grow up, it was, I think the way that I grew up was you have an ache or a pain, walk it off, take a Tylenol, you'll be fine. You know, oh, yeah. like therapy wasn't something that yeah. we had any exposure Not in my to. House my parents no. didn't yeah. ever go for therapy. My mom had her very, very first massage treatment last year during work from home because she just couldn't handle her work from home setup anymore and she had body pain. Mm. She's never gone for any type of therapy. She has pain, she takes an Advil, she goes to her doctor. I, I think that's very common though, where people aren't exposed to all range of different therapies and whether yeah. it's physical yeah, therapy, sure. talk therapy, you know, it's people are waking up to it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, a road we all have to cross at some point in time. I still know and, and I am really friendly with people I went to massage school with and that was, I don't know, mid 2000s. What about you? Uh, I have one buddy and actually I messaged him on the way coming here because <laughs> I thought there might be a question and I said, uh, his name happens to be Mark and he's in Brampton. Hmm. Great guy. In fact, he and I and another woman, that's how we got through massage school. One, two, three, four. So I'm clowning him five. There's six of us that are still massaging. No, seven. Oh, wow. From our class. That's crazy to me. That's cool. And I don't think the class was all that big. It might've been like 25 people. Huh. Uh, but so back to your point about, you know, people don't understand him massage. Mark came from a very touchy feely family mm. and he was always massaging everyone in his family. Right. In our family, no. uh, we rarely hugged one another. We before. never hugged. Like yeah. so I've said this a... before too. I like, I don't remember like ever hugging my parents. Yeah. That's not, that wasn't normal for our family. Yeah, like, so it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> so interesting. So then you come to Toronto, you go to massage school, possibly thinking that you're, you know, now getting yourself involved in sex trade. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and also there was so many things that I hated about it because I was, you know, I was living at Tartu, which is a university residence. It was loud. I had roommates mm. that were partying every night and I was like, you know, every weekend I would dash off to, to, uh, uh, to get home 
And, you know, I was, I was struggling. Like I, you know, I think I was 28 when I came into the program and I was one of the younger people in the program. Mm -hmm. Um, most of the people in the program were on their second or third careers. We had a doctor, we had two nurses, we had a guy, a forestry dude, uh, my buddy, Mark, um, couple people with extensive academic backgrounds, like everything. This woman that was a banker. Uh, but I, I was definitely one of the younger people in the class and, it, I was kind of really behind catching up on the science stuff. You know, yeah. when I was listening to the podcast on the admit people, I was like, yeah, I was not quite prepared for that. Mm. Uh, but I got super organized and uh, I'm going to say within two months, uh, formed a group with two other classmates. And then I taught those guys anatomy. Mark taught me physiology. And I just became really, really awesome at taking my notes and I, back then they didn't really take attendance. So I skipped all the business classes. <laughs> I would skip half, I would skip most of the physiology classes. Mark and I would sit in the park yeah. and we just, okay, Mark can show it to me. What's, what do I have to do? <laughs> and so that's how we got through school. I was never a class skipper. I was never a class skipper. Oh, Cause God. I was always like, there's someone that's going to stand at the front of the classroom and tell me exactly everything I need to know for a test. Cause I was always like, I need to get high nineties on a test. That's just, I always put that for, I always put that pressure on myself. So I was always like, why would I ever skip a class? Like this is a dude that's going to come in, talk to me about neurology then, and everything he's going to say is going to be on an exam. Really, really good. But that's yeah. true. Yeah. So, you know, like that, <laughs> that you're kind of jumping that, you know, we had, that's our, true. That's for true. most of the people that were teaching were chiropractors at that time. Hmm. So, like the chiropractors teaching were good, but when it came to the massage therapist, uh, they didn't have any teaching background right. and they weren't any different than, you know, me. And yeah, I'm yeah. just like, okay. You very quickly learn which teachers you actually are going to learn from and which yeah. ones you're like, I could read the PowerPoints or I could read these pages in the textbook and get the same thing. Um, but again, Maybe I was, FOMO. I was a, <laughs> I was a yeah. bad class skipper in yeah. university. Very bad. Like there were certain classes where I would never miss because like you said, the dude at the front was telling me exactly what I needed I to know. I didn't have to read the I books. I made the mistake my first year of university by skipping this class because we had to, as part of the, the, the program, you had to take a computer course, right? And so I took intro to computer use and I show up and I'm like fuck I hate every part of this and I just stopped going to this class altogether and I, that, I, that's the worst mark I've ever had in my life I have a D plus in that class and I'm like this is fucking horrible and that and at that point I'm like no matter how much I hate the fucking material I'm going to show up all the time no matter what so man this is kind of how my brain kind of kind of goes in circles sometimes because Mark and I have conversations, but it made me think about a Facebook thread I read the other day about, okay, what school should I pick? Somebody new's looking at schools. Right. And for any new people who listen to this podcast, I would say, look at the school faculty and see how long they've been, lo- been along and mm, what the little bio idea. is about everybody. So mm. I did look at the school that I went to yeah. and right now it looks like everybody that's there has been there for a while yeah, yeah. and some people have been teaching extensively and you can read the reviews on the important classes, but I think that's a really important thing, like whatever school you go to. So if there's a turnover in faculty, that's not good. No, high turnover rate never says anything good because if the teachers don't want to be there, why would the students? Yeah. Mm, yeah. So that's that's actually there's a really a lot of schools point. that don't even have that type of information. Like you won't be oh. able to find that kind of stuff. Yeah, oh, like like the cool. place where I used to work, pff, no way. They they don't have that. They don't <laughs> they don't tell any prospective students anything about the program. And they're they're kind of instructed to not know. Like the admissions reps, they're kind of encouraged to know as little about the program as possible. And you bring them in and, and you sign them up and that's your job. It's it's really strange. Oh. It's really strange. But anyway, Amanda's looking at me like, don't go down this path, Mark. I'm saying <laughs> nothing. <laughs> so massage school, you liked it. Um uh, 
I only liked it, I would say, at the six-month mark because I was hating it. And yeah. then they started, it was the first ever class, uh, they started a sport massage therapy clinic right. where they had University of Toronto athletes come into the clinic. Now, a lot, big chunk of the classmates at that particular time, uh, they ate a lot of popcorn. Right. They could, you could call them kind of hippies. I was the guy wearing a t-shirt. I was a bit, you know, lifted weights back in those days, yeah, yeah. you know, and I would wear the t-shirt, beef builds better bodies. And they <laughs> ate a lot of popcorn. Uh, needless <laughs> to say, and I came from a jock background. Right, right. So the jocks migrated to me and in no time flat, I was volunteering at the UT track club. Nice. The coach had set up a, a mat on the floor and I didn't realize that at the time. I didn't know a lot about track and field. Uh, that I had seven athletes and five of them were in the top 10 in the world. Wow. And I was working on them twice a week. Nice. And this is when you were a student. You well, were I was a, a student, so I just volunteered out. Awesome. Because I wanted to learn more about the anatomy and what was going on. And athletes, they respond very, very fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, they loved it. The coach loved it. And so, and they just got me excited about learning. So it just kind of like, I was not a happy guy until I started that that placement on my own. I went out and found it and did it. And it was it was perfect. Mm. Yeah. So that, that got me hyped up and then I started working a lot harder in school. His school experience was very different than ours. Yes. <laughs> I want you to, cause we've talked about this on, on, on Facebook before and the topic of hydrotherapy came up. I can't remember what we were talking about on Facebook, yeah. but then you started to tell me about one of your hydrotherapy classes and how this went. And I'm like, you brought this up. You're like, there's no fucking way this would ever fly ever. Never. Can never. you, I want to, I want to hear yeah, this. <laughs> can you tell Amanda this? Cause I, just, I, I just haven't, I haven't said perspective, it. Just yeah. You graduated graduated massage school when I was two. So like I'm learning some things right now. He didn't have to. I'm just kidding. There was a lot more latitude in the curriculum back in, in uh, the day when I went to school. Uh, so the hydrotherapy teacher, you know, as you have the different instructors, they are supervisors in the clinic. And she said, well, this is optional, but I've noticed that a number of you people are extremely uncomfortable when you're massaging people's glutes and their groin muscles and you know, and so back in those days, there weren't things like the consent sheets and don't touch these areas right. and stuff. When you had a full body massage, you had a full body massage. She says, so it's up to you guys, but I think it would be worthwhile. Uh, there's a place up in Schaumburg and it's uh, like like a nudist colony. It's a naturalist <laughs> club. Stop it. Unbelievable, right? No, this is for, Unbelievable. This is for real. <laughs> so I thought, oh, what the hell? I'll go along. <laughs> so go up there and... The, it's the funniest thing ever. I'll still remember to this day. The owners are standing there. This is a German couple, and they're probably in the early 60s. This woman's got standing there. They're both butt naked, and she's got this massive wig going up in there, and I'm doing everything possible not to piss on the floor right there. And then they say, anybody want to go play volleyball? And I think, uh, I'm not running around jumping like that. But, so... But I have to say. So wait, you guys as the students that were all there, did you all have to be naked too? Like, were you yeah. all just running? So I you're assume, all just running around naked. I assume yeah. if you go to the place like this, you, there's no option. You got to take your clothes no off. I mean, massage students in general are usually it. pretty, pretty open and you know comfortable being naked around other people because that you know we spend two years mostly in class with yeah, their clothes I know, on. But you know, there's there's <laughs> always somebody they're massaging somebody else and you're getting a geeky vibe from them and you don't want to hug them, you don't want to be around them, anything. So. Everybody who went, and as soon as I, you know, you're going, I went from the water to the sauna. So I spent a lot of time doing contrasting stuff. I'm going to say maybe about minute three, I stopped looking at a particular classmate in a, in a certain way mm. and everything just became, Hey, this is completely natural. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know, when I came back to school the next day, it was like cells, ligaments, skin. And from that moment on, I was like, wow, 
So it didn't matter if I saw somebody butt naked. It just somehow it, now that's the impact it had on me. I don't know what would it do it for other people. I tell the, the, cause I work with a lot of physiotherapists and athletic therapists. I tell them the story and their mouth hits the floor. And I said, well, you know, maybe you should give it a try because you're pretty uncomfortable when somebody like you, you see somebody's butt. It's true. You can't be uncomfortable with that. I mean, it's a body. To me, I look at somebody's body. It's work. Like you said, yeah. it's skin, it's ligaments, it's muscles. Like I'm not looking at anything else other than this is this body but that I'm working imagine if on. somebody does have that, you know, they're being uncomfortable themselves. Yep. That person on the table, they're going to recognize that. Mm. Absolutely. So if you've, if you have those reservations about working with people, it doesn't mean you need to go to some nudist camp, but you got to do that. Or you can. Some can massage you, students can you go, imagine, go, go to a nudist colony. You'll feel I much better. I can imagine I would get fired on the spot, even if I suggested this. Totally. Right? If, totally. I, if I suggested, hey, uh, to the to the academic coordinator or whatever, I'm going to take my massage therapy students, mostly females, because that's the way it rolls, mostly females, to this nudist camp, and we're going to hang out and get comfortable, you know, being naked because that's something that I think is going to be better. They would look at me and go, get your fucking shit and get out of here. Like you're, <laughs> you're done that. I can imagine that happening. Was it a, it was a female instructor that suggested yeah. this, right? Yeah. I wonder if it would have been a male, if it would have been a different reaction. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't know. But you know, I, I also have relatives that are in Austria and you know, whenever I go and I used to go there uh, quite a bit cause I used to work at a track meet in Austria and you go in the saunas there. Yeah. My relatives, they show up, there's men and women, all kinds of sizes. There's a keg of beer and there's a, there's cold cuts and everyone's <laughs> talking about the, the weekend. And so I'm kind of like, okay, I'm not. None of this I'm getting. Don't sweat on the meat. Don't sweat in the beer. <laughs> please, don't sweat. We are on super the meat. uptight in North America, though, too. Like podcast. we've we've talked to other therapists from around. Massage looks very different yeah. in other countries, it is right? Very, very different. And even when Mark and I had a couple's massage in Dominican one time, and like, there's no draping. Literally, like my entire backside was just at the end of the massage. I said to Mark was your ass out the whole time? He's like, oh yeah, the whole time. Like there's yeah. no draping. It's, and it, it, there was nothing like sexual about anything that was happening. They're just more comfortable with, it's okay, there's a naked body and I'm just going right. to massage this person and it's fine. We're very uptight, I think. We are. <laughs> I mean, it makes for some weirdness sometimes. Yeah. It can. Yeah. Especially how they changed around like all the stuff now. I think it makes it even worse. When I say changed around all the stuff, the consent, because in Ontario, we have, can, we've had them since, I can't remember, 2017, 2018, something like that. Something. Like when we, we now have to have uh, written consent to treat what the college calls sensitive areas and they, they deem four areas, which I don't understand how they came up with these areas of the body, but anyway, they deem these four areas to be sensitive areas, the anterior chest wall, breast tissue, superior medial thigh, and then gluteal region. I'm like, how, who came up with like, I, I, like I say this all the time. I wish I was a fly on the wall at a council meeting to find out like, how did this come about to be these are the areas? Cause that wasn't always policy. That used to be a position statement before. And a position statement is the college's opinion, council's on opinion on what should be done in certain scenarios. In other words, you're not going to find a standard on this. You're not going to find in the legislation. You're not going to find a policy on this. You're not going to find a bylaw on this. But we've been asked about this a number of times, and therefore council decides we're going to we're going to publish our opinion on this. Mm -hmm. And that's where it was for the longest time until Protecting Patients Act, and that became now a college policy. And now it's one of the standards of practice. Yeah, and we've talked about how how weird it can make things. Yeah, and I th but I, I think it comes down to how you as a therapist how you address it with your patient or, or client. Yeah, you know it's. My beef with it is 
it doesn't address like everyone's got things that are different that are sensitive to them right and it's not the same for everybody exactly you know and, and i'm sure everyone's had different patients you know even where i work there's i've had young women who have been you know assaulted and you can't touch their neck right and they don't bring that up in their and your initial intake and then it's only until the third visit no you can't touch that mm. right and it's not that i'm going to delve into it but you know it is I think it's important that you have that discussion because it's all around consent about what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. But the fact that we're got to check it off on a box. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I feel like it just arms the sexual predator. It kind of puts them in a, in a safe zone. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. she signed this. Yep. It's okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah. It's really hard for, uh, I think, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm an idiot, but I, I think it's really hard for a patient at the end of the day to, once they've signed that form to, to, to pursue anything in terms of an abuse case with the college, I think that might make it really difficult for somebody. But what do I know? Anyway. Hmm. Tell Moving me, on. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so tell me about your career path. Then you you finish at Sutherland Chan. You're 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 a young dude. You just you you you're 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 now neutralized to naked bodies all over the place. <laughs> and you obviously know you want to work with athletes, right? You you've 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 already been exposed to the blue blood, right? Because that's where you're working now. So I'm curious as to so, what the what the path is. Well, what ended up keeping me in Toronto is that same coach got me an interview with a with a club that downtown, a thousand guys, an all male club. And I still had no intention of staying in Toronto when I graduated because I, now I was like, I'm like, oh, Christ, okay, I'll, you know, I'll go there. Well, the interview was about two minutes and like the guy loved me. They hired me on the spot. This is right after you graduated or this before I hadn't graduated, graduated yet. Okay. I get hired on the spot. Oh, wow. And uh, I don't think the CMTO can come after me now, but wow. I was actually working before I got my license, right, right. but they just kept the money on the side until I actually graduated. So I started this place. I didn't have to pay any rent. These guys left big ass gratuities. They had a lot of money. Right. And I was I was the only gig in town there. So at the same time, those athletes that I was massaging on the floor, yeah. well, now the coach had me traveling with him to different meets. At the very same time, when I was in massage school, I met this physio student and we had both graduated at the same time. She ends up getting a gig working with a women's national basketball team because somebody couldn't show up. So literally about six months into me working, Hey, Ed, I think you'd be great working with a team. I just talked to the coach. We have a training camp in Ottawa. Will you come with us? Sure. I didn't know what I was doing. See, it's- This fuck. is so cool. It's 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 the fucking networking. It's the people it's, you key. know. Yes. Yeah. It is so important. Like, for yeah. example, I know someone who, who massages- the Raptors. She's not a sport massage therapist. She's, she's never gone that route at all, right? But it's just the connections she's made along the way. And now she is like traveling with the team and blah, 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 blah. It's really interesting stuff. Yeah, putting yourself out there is super important. And the fact that you got that experience working with athletes when you were still a student, that- Well, by at that moment, once I started traveling with the women's team, I was actually uh, working as an RMT, mm -hmm. um, but they didn't pay anything. I, they paid for my bus ticket. Uh, to to go there. That was a one month, three week training camp in Ottawa. But then after that, it just kind of fall in a place. You know, I was, I don't know. I ended up being at some world qualifier in '87 in Kuala Lumpur, and all of a sudden the team gets a new team doctor, and it happens to be this young guy. Well, that guy had just started a new job, and he was the medical director of the place at the university. He said, "We have to, we have to create a position for you at our joint." And so three years later. <laughs> this is insane. It's just like everything lines up. Yeah. But that's, you know, it's, it's also, I, I put in the, put in the work. Absolutely. When I first started, I knew 
you know, like massage school to me just taught me how to say the words and the language. I essentially threw out my treatment notes. Yeah. They went into the uh, outhouse. I had to learn uh, a lot. Because I imagine doing this work with sports doctors, with athletes, with, with a whole athletic medical care team, an RMT role is really, really specific. And you really, I imagine you really just have to know what your role is and know your place and, and do not fucking step out of line. Very much so. And it, and it's, and it's, it's really that way. I was, uh, I had consulted with the Raptors for eight years. And so in that time period, you have to be, this is where I'm in. When they call me in, this is what I do. Mm. If I have, if I have an opinion on anything else that's outside of that, I can't voice it to the athlete. I take it to the head trainer. I take it to the doctor. Right. Then we talk about it. Then they implement it. Like right. they are always the, the guru. Mm. Uh, this is my role here. Uh, and that's important too for the athletes to know what is your role in it. You know, not just that on a professional level, but you know, whatever organization that you are volunteering in, they need to know what your role is so that all of a sudden you're not falling into this broad category. Oh, Ed can do this adjustment. Oh, Ed, should I take the supplement? Oh, Ed, what do you think about this injection? Right. Yeah, you got you. You know, I always felt when I was a younger therapist that working with athletes, like on that level, would be super intimidating. But the more sport therapists I talked to, I realized, yes, intimidating, but also actually comforting because you have that whole team there. You have your role. And there's certain things that if this is outside of your skill set or outside of your scope, it doesn't matter. That's not... Up, right, these athletes yeah. aren't coming to you as like the be all end all. Where I I might have patients come in who I'm the first person they're seeing with a problem, and it's like they expect me to know everything and understand everything. And you know what I mean? It's I I feel like it's less intimidating than I initially thought it was. The more people like you that I talk to, well, it's easy to defer if you don't know. But if you do know, okay, this is my this is my impression of what's going on. This is what we can do about it, uh, and let's touch base. You know, with you know the physio, let's touch base with the doc. And if we need to do any further imaging or do whatever, make some changes, yeah. you know, but I, I have to say that probably I've learned a lot from the athletes. I also learned a lot from the coaches that I worked with over the years. Mm. Uh, and even about rehab, because right. lots of coaches know how to modify, modulate training so that people can still train while they're injured and getting people right. back. And that's, I've picked up a lot of rehab stuff from them as well. Do you ever feel responsible in any way, shape or form when you've worked on an athlete and performance has deteriorated. Do, does that ever come back on you in your head going, fuck, is it something that I did? Did I contribute to that somehow? Or their injury gets worse after they've been seeing you for care? I would say in the very early stages of my career. Okay. Yes. And in fact, it was highlighted on one basketball tour. Uh, I traveled with a women's team. We were in Russia. I think they only went with seven athletes or eight athletes. And, uh, I had no idea about sport massage. I'm working on this woman who's about 5'10", 185, and she's, her, her thigh muscles are heavily, like really densely muscled. For a half hour, I just went to town on them before, yeah. right before the game. Right. She was behind the play the entire game mm. and the coach was on her butt the entire time. She comes off the floor. Don't you ever, ever do that again and walls up and drifts me in the arm and just boat kills me. Wow. And so I learned a big lesson, right? Like, you know, what I thought was a good thing wasn't a good thing. Right, so, right. you know, the timing of what you're going to do, is it appropriate for that time? Maybe, maybe that's what they need, but not for that particular moment. And I think that that's 
pretty much what sport massage is. I was going to say, this is a good yeah. segue into, uh, you know, therapists yeah. who are listening who have no idea what the difference is because, you know, there, I know that there's a, uh, we've Pre- had some, interposed. we've had some sport massage therapists in here and they can look at something that another RMT is doing and say, that's not sport massage, right? It's, it looks different. It's, uh, it's, there's a lot of massage therapists that don't know. So for example, like you took a course that was called something sport massage. You're like, this is, this is, it's uh, not sport, sport massage. It's more of, more of a technique class. Right, right, right. So sport massage is knowing when to deliver a particular, you know, so, um, is it immediately like kind of pre-event, post-event? Are you dealing with a particular treatment or a condition? If they have that condition, how much do you need to do for them to perform? Mm-hmm. So all of those applications. And then the biggest thing is knowing the sport itself and the particular demands. Right. So that's uh, that's going to change for everything. You know, like the, you know, reaming somebody's hip flexor out that's a high jumper is different than... So every sport's different. So who teaches you this stuff? Or are you expected to go figure out the fucking demands of the sport? Go figure out the go figure out the sport. Go figure out the different positions. Go figure out what the physical demands are. Go figure out common injuries. You go figure out the is is that all your responsibility or are you coached along the way? I figured that out on my own. So that's a that's a lifelong learning process, you know, understanding programming demands, understanding the, the physiology. Um and that's working closely, you know, with coaches, with exercise physiologists. And, you know, like I, I've heard, I hear a lot of bashing, especially about physiotherapists in our community. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you there's just as many amazing ones out there. Absolutely. For sure. And there's, in every profession, there's amazing ones. And in every profession, there's people that have no idea what they're doing. And so I've been fortunate that I've always surrounded myself with people who are really good at what they're doing. And so the moment I see, oh, this is a fit for you know, clinician A. No, you're somebody for clinician B. Um, so I have a great pool of resources of people that I send out when it doesn't fit. When it doesn't, when it doesn't fit. Now they're both Pine- laughing Pineapple at Pineapple Express. Express. It's a funny scene. We're having a very <laughs> serious conversation about sport massage uh, and these two are watching <laughs> Seth Rogen. <laughs> they're fighting. What do you do? No, but it's, it is important that if you are working with a particular demographic, so say if you're only working with pregnant women, wouldn't you want to become well-versed with everything about pregnancy and Absolutely. complications? Well, that's what I do in my world. So where does it start for you? It, it, so let's let's rhyme off a sport that you work with a lot. Oh, uh, I don't know. Basketball? Let's, <laughs> well, it could be basketball. It could be runners right now. Okay, so runners right now. Yep. So when you're doing kind of like your research on stuff, where does it start for you? Where does it start for you analyzing this sport to understand it a little bit better? I mean, granted, you've been doing running for a while probably, but yeah. when you first started, like what what did that look like? I wanted to find out. I was interested in load demands. Okay. I wanted to find out what were the kind of common injuries. And then I would talk to other healthcare professionals. So, you know, when we do our strive things and right, we right. collaborate with other healthcare professionals, yeah. I've been doing that for a while. Yeah, yeah. So then I would pick the brains of other, other per healthcare providers, uh, chiros, generally, generally physios, but right. they could be science geeks as well. Yeah. And, you know, okay, what is behind this type of injury and just get their perspectives on it, but also reading. Right. I am a podcast junkie. I do do a lot of online cl- courses and yeah. uh, I used to have an extensive library at home 
And, uh, so I would, you know, if I'm on a bus trip with a team, I always made sure I had a book, you know, okay. so I'm just going to review Kapunji here and look at the kinematics of the ankle. Like, let's right, look right, at that right. foot thing again. You know, do I know it down cold? Nice. I should have had you here an hour and a half ago. I treated, I treated a marathon runner this morning and, uh, you would have been really helpful to me. <laughs> I need collaboration with this one. When you're when you're with an athlete, how important is it from the athlete's perspective to know what's going on? Or do they just generally don't care? It's like, just fix me. Or is it like, tell me everything that's going on with me so I, I'm in the know? Every athlete is different. I'm going to say, um, I can tell you that it's a real treat for me when I'm treating uh, the engineers at my, uh, at, at my workspace. Um, because they like to know all the details. Right. They like to know the, you know, the forces involved and I can, you know, talk, you know, short arm levers mm -hmm. and talk different planes of motion and stuff. And they get it instantly right. why they're falling over because say their subtalar joints not moving gotcha. and why they're having knee pain. Yeah. So I can explain all that to them. Some people just want to know how can I take your rehab and integrate it into my training module. Mm -hmm. What do I need to modify in my current program? Right. And so they don't want to be overwhelmed with stuff. So you have to look at every person right. to see what's their level of understanding. You know, I have some grad students that are so swamped, they just want to know the three things, even though they're bright people. Okay, what is it that I need to do? I give them three things. They always screw up one of them. Mm -hmm. So I don't care if you're, you know, 250 Mensa off the charts, yep. I always assume that they're going to mess up like one of them. So I'm very detailed. <laughs> Pull out your camera. I'll email you the stuff. Yeah. Let's videotape it so that you have your words in it and uh, let's follow up next week. Let's talk about your workplace. Are you okay to talk about your workplace? Sure. Are you okay to talk about your work? Because you work as a massage therapist, yep. really different than most massage therapists. And the environment that you work in is different and the team of medical professionals you work with is different. And how you go about treating is different. So well, for it's example, all, it's all I've known. Yeah. So I think, I think that's part of it. I, well, no, it's not. When I started there, uh, appointments were 20 minutes apart. All right. Let's start where, where yeah. do you work and what do you do? Let's start there. I'm at the university of Toronto and <laughs> they have a, a, it's called the David L. McIntosh sport medicine clinic. We're in the building, the Gold Ring Center, that's literally across uh, Varsity Stadium. Yeah. So up on the fourth floor, great view of looking outside. But for 20 years, I was in the basement at Harvard Center, uh, just, <laughs> just away from the swimming pool in a tiny, tiny- That's so tiny... sad. They shoved you in the basement. <laughs> well, it was dark like all the time. And it was so, the quarters were so tight. Yeah. I had a treatment table and literally like where that TV is, yeah. there was a hot tub and cold tub. Mm. So athletes would come in to jump in that. <laughs> hey guys, can you turn it off while I'm working here? <laughs> yeah, okay. Ed, oh, can man. you read between the lines here? <laughs> uh, it was just a very different time period yeah, yeah. then. And then I remember after the first year, you know, I had some, taken a couple courses and I did uh, the whole NISA thing and I did a couple other tissue courses and all I was getting from the doctor referrals because all your people that you see they have to be medically referred uh it was like just massage their hamstrings just massage your calves right and i was just beating everyone to death and i go to see our medical director and i'm like hey doug i gotta tell you something's going on with my hands they're aching here in these joints here and waking me up at night and he examines my hands well we'll take an x-ray and we'll look at them next year mm. that moment I left and I was like, what the F? Hmm. So that, that's when it started the reading and looking. I said, I'm not going to live doing this career doing this. Right. Like I'm killing myself. Yep. And so that's when I started. And then I, you know, I'm looking across the room and I'm seeing, okay, so that physio just saw that person, got them better in three treatments by doing very little tissue work 
and gave them two exercises mm. and I'm pummeling people all day long and what? I'm going to pummel them like all for the entire year. Right. So then I just started shifting gears and learning, okay, why? Because I, unlike the people that, that like most of the bulk of the profession, um, I got the group for four years mm -hmm. and the only demand on me was, are they ready to compete when they get to their championship? Thing? Right, right, right. So it doesn't matter what I did as long as I got them better. And so over time period, the more that I knew, uh, I realized that I didn't have to do the same amount of tissue work and that it could, I zeroed in my assessment. Mm -hmm. uh, so no one's coming to you. I shouldn't say no one. The majority of people aren't coming to you like for quote unquote massage. They're coming to you for therapy and regardless how you deliver it, it doesn't that's matter. That's how right? everything is in our clinic. So we have athletic therapists, physiotherapists. We have uh, some dual certified ATs, MTs. Yep. So when they come in, so I'll get the range like everyone else does. So, uh, my caseload yesterday. So there was a guy coming in. I have to do some vestibular work with him because he's post-concussion. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a post-ACL op, uh, somebody with a knee ligament sprain, uh, somebody coming off an Achilles injury. So that kind of thing. So it's all very, uh, it's referred. So when the doctors in our clinic send somebody, it's mm -hmm. for therapy. They don't put a title to it. Mm. So often I get people, they don't know what my title is because right, I do right. lots of different things. So yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's that such is a cool. cool environment. Yeah, because we've talked about this before. When somebody hears massage therapist, there's already a preconceived idea of like, uh, this is what massage yeah. is, right? But if it's just you're going for therapy, manual therapy of whatever, it's they don't care what you're doing as long as they walk out better than when they walked in, I remember right? uh, Donald Dillon bringing this topic up about we need to change that. Like, what do we call it? Massage therapy. Why can't we have something else? Mm -hmm. Because it sets a, an expectation right away that people are going to massage right away when maybe you just need to lie on the table and meditate, or maybe you just need to get off the table and here, I'll, you know, I'll show you this side plank and your back's going to be better. Right. Let's look at what's going on and what the real issue is. Yeah. See, uh, Mark and I both treat, like I do a lot of massage, way more than he does. I don't think Mark really does massage in the way that people know massage. He's usually there's, got people fully clothed yeah. on the table doing, you know, a lot of exercise there's less, therapy. There's less lotion, there's, there's less, less sheets, exactly. and there's less Enya. Yeah. So <laughs> I still use the sheets and the lotion and, you know, I even throw in some Enya now and yeah, there. Well, but I, like I do the other things too. You know, sometimes I push my entire table aside and we're on the floor. Sometimes I've got them on the table, off the table. Sometimes, you know, we're using cups, some, whatever. There's all these different things. But these are people that they've come to me because as you can see in this building, nobody would know I'm here, right? Like yeah. these are people that are referred specifically by other people that have seen me understand my treatment style and they're fine with it. But I at least at least once a week, whenever I have a new patient, they'll always say, yeah, this is not what I was getting from my other RMT, right? Like this is not what I thought of massage. And that's, I mean, it works for me and it's fine. It works for Mark and it's fine. Obviously it, it works for you, but yeah, people have this idea of massage. I'm going to lay down, listen to Enya. And I just had this the other day because I went to do a, a house call on a guy in the neighborhood and he's got this back problem and I'm looking at him and he says, well, aren't you going to massage my back? I said, well, based on everything that we just did, the only place that I really need to release is this here in the front of your hip. Mm -hmm. And then you do this ankle program and then let's see what your back is like after this. And then you tell me if I need to massage you. Mm -hmm. And then after he did the thing, he says, oh, I guess not. Mm. But yeah. it, it, just for the audience, that other type of massage, that's great too. Absolutely. It's fantastic. So, I yeah, still do it. <laughs> it's fantastic. I, that's yeah. what I want when I go for massage. <laughs> yeah. I want but the I, any of the sheets and the lotion. Right. The, the problem is, 
in my opinion, is that when people come in and they have a very specific complaint, right. can that therapist, can they address it? Right. You know, so I get those outside referrals too for those type of athletic injuries. And I'm just thinking, this guy's had a bicep tendinopathy for eight months and you haven't touched, you haven't figured out anything and you've been giving him a full body massage. Hmm. So that's a report that I get. Right, and right. I'm like, well, was that really an appropriate use of like someone's insurance? Right, right, right. Yeah. Anyway, so that's another whole topic, but. Yeah, I dig it. Well, and that's the thing. It's again, people have a the public has a perception of what massage is, but it's up to the therapist. Right and they're from not the wrong in their perception. They're not wrong because yeah, that is right. what massage is in most of the world yeah, too. It's, but it's, it's it's up to the slick, therapist. Slick skin and, slick and nakedness. Slick skin and nakedness. Yeah. Exactly. But it, it, it's up to us when the patient comes in to make sure that we're creating the expectation. If you're the type of therapist that works like Mark or like Ed or like who whatever, you have to make sure that you're setting the expectation for the person. This is what we're going to do. And I'm going right. to assess you. And like you said, if I fit, if you're telling me you have low back pain, okay, let us try to figure out why your low back is bothering you. So for example, I went weeks with this pain in my foot and it started to, I started to get pain in my back. I mean, I'm a therapist. So obviously right away, I'm like, my foot pain has now, because I'm walking funny, now my back hurts. So I went to Mark and I'm like, fix my foot so that my back will be fine. Mm. And my back feels fantastic now. And he never touched my back. Yeah. Just fix my foot. You didn't like it at the time too. And she's like, what's wrong with me? I'm like, uh, your, your musculature is shit and your ankle's fucked up. <laughs> she's like, is that what you tell a patient? I'm like, basically at this moment, yeah, that's what I would say. <laughs> oh, it was it was an emergency. I would have taken You're lucky you got anything. that. I would have just said, do some sit-ups. I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> I think he had, I think he had gotten absolutely sick of hearing me complain i was like i can't <laughs> handle it anymore like i haven't taken the time to assess what's going on but my foot hurts so much that now my back is killing me i couldn't even stand and do dishes like everything was hurting mm. so it's like you gotta do something do what you gotta do yeah exactly do what you gotta do and athletes appreciate that right yeah yeah a lot of different ways i, I have to say it's pretty amazing like some of the uh experience that I had, especially working with teams. And then you work with like national teams mm -hmm. and then you develop a, it's a real different dynamic. Like I'm thinking of one uh, young woman that I worked with her as a junior developing athlete from the age of 15 till she was 30. Mm. Like just watching all the changes in her and how she grew as a person. Right. Uh, it's pretty amazing. And the influences that you have on young people. So I, I, it's a great place to work. I, yeah, I have a lot of fun. Is there any weirdness that ever happens working with young females that I can always see young university females, how this could be a problem. Uh, you really have to be clear on your boundaries and how you set things up. Mm -hmm. there, there have been a few situations where um, things could get awkward. Mm -hmm. So you have to be, you know, one of the things you're traveling with a team, you, you don't want to have that table set up in your room and you're the only person there. And then, right. the you know, because often you might be working till like 11 or 12 at night. Mm -hmm. And so I always just had a habit of, if I didn't have a student with me, like I would have student trainers. Mm -hmm. um, I just always have two athletes in the room with me. Like yeah. I, I never massage somebody alone. Somebody yeah. would have to sit there. I'd order movies up and they sit over there and then that person would finish and somebody sit there. So, you know, I think you just had, and I've done that for years. Yep. This is way before, Okay, you got to be really careful. You have to be really careful. I mean, you hear it all the time. You hear it all the time about like, you know, a gymnastics coach that it's just come out that they've been touching their athletes very inappropriately yeah. and blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. So you almost have to go way over the top to make sure all expectations are, are laid out and this is what's going to happen. And, and there's hardcore boundaries that are here and we have to adhere to them at I all times. That's also really important and, and uh, probably more so for you, Amanda. But, you know, as I'm older now, 
uh, you know, I've been exposed to many things in the healthcare system. So you're used to being poked and prodded. Mm. But when you have young people like that and they come to someone like me, I'm their first experience really to healthcare. So they have no idea what's going on. And then somebody sitting across the room and there I am sticking my elbow in their groin and then barking at them for doing, you know, do this exercise and do this. Okay. Let's go over here and stretch this out. They, they were like, is this normal? Is this, is this what it's supposed to be about? Mm -hmm. So you have to be very, very careful, especially when people haven't been exposed before mm -hmm. to any of this. And so you got to be really clear. This is, this is what's going to happen. Um, yeah, there's a lot of education that goes on. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that's a that's a really big thing. You got to communicate to the athletes, to the coaches. That should be normal in all therapy settings. Even if you're the RMT working in a spa and providing relaxation treatments, Absolutely. there should be a lot of communication. You know, Mark and I have talked about the, this before. I had a patient tell me that she went to a very well-known and very nice spa mm. and she was given the sensitive areas form like with the health history, so there was no discussion. It was just like, fill out this form yeah, and then sign not, this. There was good. no discussion. So she just signed it because she thought, this is what I'm supposed to do. She, I don't even think she fully understood the form. She went in for... Um, treatment for like upper back and neck discomfort. Okay. I mean, yes, it was at a spa, but that was what she had told the therapist. These are the areas of focus. She signed the form. And what did she say? The guy spent almost the full time her massaging her glutes. So when I had met her and she tells me this and she says, is this normal? And I said, no, that's not normal. Like one, I mean, yes, the patient should have spoken up, but let's be honest. Some people just don't know how to use their voice, don't know how to say anything, don't, and she should have said something, 100%. Well, but, hey, but this therapist. Then, listen, listen, Amanda, I, I recently had a massage and then, uh, you know, finishing off with a head and scalp. I didn't say anything, but the scalp part was like way too much pressure. Mm. The next time I went, I made a comment. And she said the same thing to me. Why didn't you say anything? Because in the moment you don't, you, you don't. I, you just don't. Thought, oh, I don't know. I'm a massage therapist, man. I've been doing this forever. Well, that's what I mean. That's why the so reason why is I somebody said in the public going to say exactly. Anything? And the reason I said, okay, fine, because there's always going to be that person that said, well, why didn't the patient say anything? It really isn't up to her. That therapist should have, one, had a discussion with her before making her sign the sensitive areas form. Why are you just handing somebody a form and not explain? Yeah. If you haven't even gone through the health history yet, how do you even know if any of this is going to be relevant or indicated, right? There should have been, that shouldn't have just come with the well, health that, history that's form. That's, that's number sens one. That sensitive document, I only bring that out after I've done my entire intake. Absolutely. It's not said, meant okay, to this be. Is, this is my assessment. You know, it kind of sounds like, you, you know, you've come in here. You've got this shoulder thing, but I'm going to have to look at your rib cage and I'm going to have to feel the movement of your ribs and right. we're going to have to have you move around. So this is why we're going to check so out you're, this exactly. So you're explaining to them that this type of treatment is indicated and you're explaining what's going to happen and now getting them to sign the form. So anyway, the point is this person who worked at this spa had zero communication with his client and then did a treatment that, in my opinion, sounded very inappropriate and not at all what she asked for and not relevant. So not indicated at all. If she's going in for neck discomfort, why are you spending like 40 minutes massaging glutes? That is strange. Mm -hmm. And so... I feel like everywhere should just, even if you're not this weird, creepy dude, and I'm going to call him that because there was no reason for that. Do you think you should, you should, according to our new code of ethics document, this is something that you should probably say something about. You should probably report this. She didn't even remember the name of the therapist. I mean, mm. I guess she can okay. yeah. go back and look, but right, right, right. we talked about this because she tells me this and I'm like, what? This was happened years ago, but she told me about it uh, probably... I don't know, what would you say, five, six months ago that she was in here? Right. And 
I was like, what are you talking That's about? That's kind of new in our code of ethics document that 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 kind of hints at the idea if there's unethical behavior of other therapists that you should you should say something about it, you should yep. do something, you should report it. It's actually really interesting because it's in the standards for other colleges. Like for example, I we thought, just yeah. we just did a uh, we just created a record keeping course for registered psychotherapists. That if somebody committed some kind of abuse that you had to report it. Well, abuse, yes, mandatory if it, it, reporting but, for abuse. Yeah. But in, in this, this case, case here, it's it's debatable what I mean, you're just getting the sense like this person I'm, abused I'm the getting, concept of the right, form I'm and getting therefore the client's interpretation of what right. happened I mean I I believe her obviously and by the sounds of but it there it was, was really inappropriate but there was never there was never anything in 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 policy or legislation or anything like that that suggested that if we found something that might be potentially unethical or harmful happening from another therapist sexual abuse aside yeah. that we didn't really have to do anything about it. it wasn't mandatory for us to do there are other colleges like for the college of registered psychotherapists it's mandatory if, mm-hmm. if, if they come mm-hmm. to be aware of someone that's just being unethical or not providing care that makes sense, then they're meant to report that. It's actually quite interesting. But anyway, the point in that was even if you are a stand-up therapist and working in a place where you know you not don't necessarily have people on treatment plans, you're seeing a lot of relaxation treatments, one-off kind of things, there still should be a lot of communication and people the patient should know what to expect and what's going to be happening. And I I know that I've gone to spas where they don't say anything. It's literally, actually, I even went to a clinic after I got in my, uh, and I was in a car accident a year ago tomorrow. And I had I was thinking about this months of therapy. I yep. I was in this right. car accident. And the place that I was going for therapy, the massage therapists are not respected there at all like that's just my my take on it the physiotherapists and chiropractors they're the ones they're the primary care they do the treatment plan fine but the massage therapists are basically just told what to do they don't even talk to the patient is, is that, like i would walk in and they would say but they would look at my is, file and they'd say okay get on the table is that mva patients or is that right across the board so i don't curiosity? i don't know i was right, there right, as an right, mva right. Okay, cool. but i was very shocked that they didn't ta- they didn't that's talk true. to me they didn't ask me any questions like they the the massage therapists never talked to me they would just tell me to get on the table i was like okay yeah but aren't we supposed to even if you're doing that work do an intake like yeah absolutely you, you are, you are, but you are, that's yeah. what i mean is I, just, I never i never had any communication with i can kind of see the scenario where it might be a motor vehicle accident patient or a wsib patient where the massage therapist is like mm, you know what it's already been done by the physio blah 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 i'm just going to follow the treatment plan that they put together i can see that scenario happening even though that's not the most proper thing so that's why i was curious if hmm. if this happens yeah i don't know i don't know i was there as an mva patient but i was still shocked that like none out. of them talked to me i'm going to go find out i'm going to go find out <laughs> yeah go for I'm a treatment go for a there. treatment the same way i'm going to go for reiki like in a couple of days which Friday. i've never done before yeah. so i'm going to see what that's cool. all about yeah, yeah we're going to record a podcast while mark's getting a reiki session well let's see what happens I feel like everybody that's been on our podcast lately has been such so much an energy person, energy this, energy that, energy, energy, and I'm like, I don't understand any of this shit. So let me go get Reiki done and let's see what happens. I want to know about the your role with the with the Sport Massage Therapy Association though, as well. Like, what's that about? I've been the selections chair for major games for, jeez, maybe twenty years. So selection chair, like you're like you're going to these games, you're going to these games, you're going to these games. You're not, you're, you're not, you're not. You're not. You're not. Uh, but it's been really uh, transformed over the past number of years because now that there's an online application process that all the provider groups apply through. So the sport physios, sport chiros, um, sport massage therapists, athletic therapists. So there's a, call, a recent call that just went out for Commonwealth Games, University Games, Canada Games. Uh, is there something else? 
so they have to do that portal, even right. though there's like the CSMTA is separate, they have to fill everything there. Mm-hmm. And then we have a, there's a ranking system for all the different events and different things that you've done. Mm-hmm. And that, that gets tabulated in there. And then myself and my committee, my selection committee that I select, there'll be two other sport fellows. We review each file just to make sure that, uh, they're not lying, right. that they haven't double dipped in between different categories. Gotcha. And then after that, there's a automatic, it's tabulated automatically online. So they'll know exactly where they stand. We don't actually, my committee, we don't actually pick the person right. that the COC does. Gotcha. So before we used to put in like, okay, here's our 10 applicants to go to this Olympic right, Games. Right. And then uh, we're nominating, we've ranked them from number one to 10, and then they would pick from there. But now it's all online and everything is done by the COC medical missions manager, right. chief therapist and chief medical officer. So has, there, has there been a scenario where the higher ups come to you be like, what the fuck was this person? Like, why is this person here? I've had a couple, well, just because I've done it for such a long time yeah. and I know all the players in the different provider groups, right, right. I've had uh, a chief therapist come up and ask me between this person and this person because they wouldn't know either one of them. Right. And the other thing, and a lot of people they can't, really can't appreciate this and they'll think, oh, well, that's being discriminatory. But there's a thing called, is this person a good fit with the rest of the team? Mm. So you might have a game that's not like an Olympics, but something's like, I don't know, maybe it's a university games right. and you want a breadth of experiences. And when they talk about that, it's not just for massage therapists. So you might have a senior physio. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll bring in a junior massage therapist so that they can bring people together. Mm-hmm. Like, a few years ago, I did a university games and it was in Zagreb and I was like by far the most senior person there, but then they counted on me to help these other two, uh, two young physios that had never been to a games before. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to offset that to mentor people together. Makes sense. And then you have regions of Canada right. and then you have language skills. And then these days they're, they're also going to look at particular skill sets. So you might go to a games and realize, Hey, we need one person, you know, the, uh, active release technique is the hot new therapy, or we need two people that can, are really good with acupuncture. Can we find somebody in our staff? And it doesn't really matter their title, but once you get to Olympics, they're generally looking for massage therapists who can actually massage. Hmm. So the last, uh, major games I would have done would have been a Pan Americans in Guadalajara and there you're, you're doing your massage, but it doesn't, you know, within three or four days, you know, some therapist who's with a team, Hey Ed, I've got these two soccer players. Uh, we've been working on this a long time. Can you take a look at them and see what you can find? Mm -hmm. So you're, you're going to get that. But then some of the times it's just general recovery stuff. Right. That kind of work doesn't turn my crank, but you know, when you go to that, those kind of bigger games, that's what you do. So yeah, yeah, yeah. What was your favorite of all the games you've been to, of all the athletes you've worked with? Do you have a oh, favorite I memory? Oh, I, I well, there's a there's a track meet that's uh, in Austria and it's near the Swiss border, and it's just for decathletes and heptathletes in a little place called Götzis. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of a guy named Damien Warner. So he Damien mm-hmm. would have won the recent uh, uh, gold medal. But I had been to that meet like 14 times. And it's very, very special. It's better than going to the Olympics because you have a small little village. You mm-hmm. got 6,000 people in the stands. They know everything about all the athletes there. And uh, just the whole environment. Like you would show up there a whole week in advance. And the first time I went there, the guy I was going with, 
the previous year had torn his hip flexor. They wrote him off and I rehabbed him, got him there. And the guy wins the meet. Mm. All the meet directors patting me on the back. I'm mm-hmm. treated like God. That's we awesome. get a car to drive. So I get a car to drive while I'm in Austria. I get paid nice. well. I'm working with, you know, then Ed, can you look after these athletes from New Zealand? Ed, can you look after these athletes over here? Mm. So it's, to me, it's, it's great because it's low key, but really, really awesome. I think people not in the sport world always think the Olympics is the be all end all. But Mm. I mean, talking to somebody who's actually in there, there's so, there's so many places you can go. So many places that sport can take you. Yeah. Like that, that meet, I would get the car and Wednesday would be the day off. So I would drive the athletes and then we would drive to Liechtenstein and go then go to Monaco. Mm. And then we'd come back, we'd go shopping and, you know, I take the American athletes up into the mountains and okay, so this is the Austrian cold tub. I was telling you guys about jump in the water. Mm. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. No, it's very, very cool. Very cool. You know, you get to meet the, uh, I remember the, the Prince of Monaco, his banker uh, took us to the Prince's wine cellar in the mountains. Mm. I was like, oh my God. You know, you you meet the local baker and they have a shop there. Like, yeah, no, everything about that meat is amazing. That's cool. Do you know yeah. how many countries you've been to? Like for professional reasons? Oh, geez. I don't know. I haven't thought about counting them, but I've been to a lot in you'll, Europe. You'll get back to me on I'll that one. <laughs> so, I, okay. about it. I got a couple of questions then. Yeah. I got a qu- questions about shenanigans. 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 The fun stuff that might happen. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not me. No, not you. No, of no. course not you. But it, it seems to happen at every games that I, bigger games that I've gone to. Right. And, it, and it's not cool mm. because the biggest reason, and even when people think, while they're consenting adults, it's a distraction for the athletes. Right. It's a distraction to the coaches mm-hmm. and it should not be going on. Mm. So you got to call it like it is when it when it's happening. It's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Right. Do you but realize- is the sport world fairly incestuous in the way that it's like the same people at a lot of these, like you've been to a lot of different meets. Do you end up working with a lot of the same athletes, a lot of the same medical staff, a lot you of the can. same people? Yeah, you can. Um, it's a It's a big commitment. Uh, because when you're, there's a difference between if you're dedicated with a team, like I was in the 2000 Olympics and I was dedicated with women's basketball well, and then they split me with men and women's basketball. So I worked with them predominantly. I'd had to do a few hours in the clinic, seeing a few people. When you're on the core medical team, you're treating everyone and you, you tend not, you don't get paid for that. Like you have your trip paid for and your food covered right, and right. stuff. The people that are dedicated therapists, so like if you're with rowing or swimming, you're receiving an honorarium. Uh, and every group is a little bit different. So that's that's one of the hard things about if you're on the core team, because you're giving up a lot. Like if you're going to go to Olympics, that's anywhere from four to six weeks of your time. Right. Yeah. So that's a that's it's a, a big huge commitment. commitment. Yeah. You're not just committing that year. It's the lead up to all of that stuff right. that you're doing stuff. Yeah. You know, I used to live with an Olympic athlete. She won, she won a silver medal. In rowing, mm. Canada's rowing team. That's yeah. cool. And we would, this is how we would see each other. She would be getting up at 4 a.m. to go for her first of two to three training sessions for the day. Yep. And I'd be coming home drunk. Good night, Janine. Good morning, Amanda. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, there must have been some early wake ups. Yeah. She was getting up. I was going to bed. All that work to not be known by anybody and be poor as hell. It's such a weird go, eh? It is. It's yeah, such a and weird that, Yeah, go. that's the part that's un- unfortunate. But uh, everyone. You know, you do it because you love it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, You've had an interesting, interesting career. And I do love, 
I, I mean, I hope other people listening to will feel like inspired by it. I love that right from the beginning. It was just opportunity after opportunity, but you put in the work and a lot of the stuff you did, and I think it's important to to highlight this, a lot of the stuff you did was volunteer. You know, you had to you had to put in your time. It's not like you're getting paid big bucks to do all this stuff, but it's something you love to do. And you've managed to build this really long, awesome career. And then somehow you became friends with Mark. I don't know. I feel yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> how how intimidating is it though? working with like sport docs and everything else. Is that intimidating for you? Was it ever intimidating for you? Or is it always maybe, like- Maybe at the start. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, I like I know my role and right, they right. know what I can do. So they'll talk to you just like how you and I are talking. Like even the guys that I work with. Okay, Ed, this is what I found. And if right. there's a disagreement, like we're all professionals. No, Ed, like you've got to do this differently because this is, this is what's there. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you got to check your ego at the door. Yeah. yeah. It's not a- uh, you know, and I'm fortunate because the docs that I work with are very, very good. I always, you know, I, I got to always shake my head because I read these different threads. And this is, you know, when COVID hit, that's when I joined Facebook. And I was like kind of shocked <laughs> by the stuff that people were putting out there. I'm like, okay, I don't work with people like that at all. Mm. So I don't know where people are coming from by saying all these kinds of things. But, I, you know, I guess it's bad and everything. But you can't be working with athletes at a high level and not be good at what you do. No. And I mean, the beauty, as I said, I used to think that it sounded so intimidating, but the beauty is everybody there, the whole medical team, you have the athlete's best interest in mind. So like you said, check your ego. If somebody else on the medical team is saying, Ed, I, I don't really think this is the the route you should go. You're like, okay, cool. Like the, the goal is get this athlete where they need to be. You don't need to flex your muscles and show what you know. Everybody knows what you know and what you're good at and mm. it's fine. And it's okay to say like, I need a second opinion or yeah, whatever. Well that, and that happens all the time in my workplace. Hey, I'm stuck. What, what's this going on? You know, what's happening here? So it's, uh, yeah, no, it's great problem solving. I just, you know, just the other day, the, you know, one of the football therapists, you know, Hey, can you take a look at this guy? Yeah. Uh, you know, he's got these ongoing shin problems and I'm like kind of stuck. Like I'm not getting better. And so like we do that, we collaborate a lot together like that. If we get stuck, I send people to all the time. Like, right. okay, I'm not seeing something. Can you take a look at this? Whatever they're doing in their training, I'm missing something. Tell me what you, you know, tell me what, no, Ed, you're doing everything right. You know, you just didn't give them a big enough dosage, Mm. that kind of stuff. Right. So collaboration has become more important to me. I think the longer I've been treating, like I recognize where I might get to a point of being stuck. I have zero ego about it. I had a patient two weeks ago that I've been working on for a few weeks. We've made a lot of changes. Things are going in a positive direction, but there was this one hip issue where I feel like I wasn't getting, I wasn't getting And I said to her, would you be open to, um, letting Mark assess you the next time you come in. I just want a sec. And she was, yeah, cool. So I had him take a look. And basically he confirmed that everything I thought was I was going in the right direction. I just wasn't being aggressive enough. So I had him work on her for like 15 minutes and it made such a difference. I was like, fucking sweet, man. You made my job so much easier. (laughs) You've had a really long career and you've done some really cool shit. And I know you, you know, you obviously love working at the university and working with the people you're working with. Bleeds blue. Bleeds blue. Um, So, so much for coming to Sutherland Chan and leaving Toronto. You, you're a, you're a Torontonian now. Um, Where do you see yourself going? Like, are we looking at leaving the profession anytime soon? Can you see yourself not leaving? Are you going to be taking on a different kind of role? I can see myself working a couple more years. You know, I, I get that uh, old age security check uh, in two more years. Um, um, I I don't know how long I'll stay at the university. Uh, Well, at least, at least two years. Um, 
but I can see myself not retiring because I, I'm formulating some other outside interests. I do have other things that I like to do, but it has to coincide with the rest of my family. So I can see myself uh, working in my local neighborhood, you know, maybe at a, at some other clinic. Nice. Just seeing these are the kind of people I see. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of conditions that I work with. And yeah. Since you brought up family and I meant to ask this earlier, but it slipped my mind. How was your family okay with all the travel and stuff? Did that did that did that make for hard times or I would say not not really cuz my you know my better half and I we like offset each other a lot. Mm. So in the in the early days if she was there I wasn't there. If I was there she wasn't there. Right. Um so she also travels. Well she's pretty committed in her work. Mm -hmm. uh, she's an academic and uh she's very very involved in uh coaching youth basketball. Cool. So um, and we both were, uh, when our kids were from seven to 19. So that was another side thing that we were involved with. That's why I was driving out here. I was thinking about the Scarborough blues and how often we would come out to tournaments out this way or out to Oshawa and stuff. But, uh, uh, no, we found a way to make it work. You just, you just find a way to do it. It's certainly, there's a lot more downtime now, right? You know, we get to watch movies together and stuff that then go for walks. And before it was just like, Go, 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 yeah. go, like all the time. And I'm sure like all young families are, are like that. Yeah. I think that the, the only hardest, when you take long periods of time off, like that same 2000, our kids would have been five. We had twins. And for some reason, I was in British Columbia for a couple of weeks and I was always, I could never catch my daughter. I was always, cause my, we had relocated or taken a leave for six months and we're living in Winnipeg at that time period. Mm. I would speak to my wife. I would speak to my son, but I never caught my daughter. I think about day five or day six into my trip in the city, the bus was getting ready to leave. It was about noontime. I'm in like the athlete's village or whatever. And I'm calling, I finally get my daughter and, and she says, oh, hi, daddy. I thought you forgot all about me. Oh. Yeah. I had to put sunglasses because the tears were coming down my face. And mm. I just thought, if somebody says something to me about their fucking Achilles, I'm going to punch them <laughs> in the face right now. I do not want to be here. So that was a pretty, um, you know, but you make it up, right? Yeah. That, yeah. that was a, uh, um, you know, and I think there was also, it was 2004, because I mentioned that I was consulting with the Raptors and yeah. I was with them quite a bit from 97 to 2004. And then I had a little bicycle accident. And I was off work uh, for about four months. And at that time period, I was like, wow, I'm not going to the gym on Sundays anymore. I really like hanging out with my family. Hmm. So they were just at that age that you're kind of doing more with them. And so then I just never went back and yeah, spending more family time. So I really, the, the games thing really kind of dropped off. I'm really, okay, if I'm going to do something, there has to be a commitment from everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you got to plan for that. I wonder when you're when you're engaging people on Facebook with RMT groups if they know like all the shit you do and what you what you've been up to. In no, he's just life. some guy. I'm so them. curious. I'm he's wondering. He's just some guy. Yeah. I, I don't know. A, a few times I threw some, you know, like maybe a different treatment program or kind of looking at stuff. And, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm 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 not sure. You know, there's a few people that kind of know what I do and. You know, yeah. but I, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's hard to tell. I've made a few suggestions to people and it's very interesting because there's a couple different things that came in and there were like so many different approaches to treating a particular problem. And I'm just like, wow, okay. 
the the profession is diverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. So there's, you know, that's our an understatement. Appro- <laughs> yeah, or all the approaches going to work? Like I don't know. I just know how I would want to start right, off right, with stuff, but yeah. you know what? If it's working, if it's working for that therapist, then that's great. Like, yeah. you know, you're gonna. Yeah, this is good, man. I'm glad you. I'm glad you finally yeah. came in here. You should come back another time. We'll do an unprofessional hour and we'll bring wine. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I know Ed likes to drink wine like I like to drink wine because he did on our, our Zoom call. We did virtual cheers. <laughs> and you're more than welcome to join us tomorrow night. We're doing another virtual thing. We, we Oh, that's uh, tomorrow, right. That's tomorrow. Oh, it's tomorrow. New, for new grads, we're... Um, what, so, someone sent me a message on Facebook, not Instagram, and she was a new grad or she's a new RMT. And she's like, can we, can we get together or just do a call and I can pick your brain on stuff? And I was like, you know what? I'll do you one better. I'm going to put together a whole Zoom freaking meeting and uh, let's get, let's put it out to new grads. Let's put it out to new RMTs and uh, anyone that's been in the game that wants to just give some advice or just like, you know, talk to anyone that's new. Yeah. We've got some seasoned people that are going to come on, um, you know, just to answer questions and and help with the new grads. So, I mean, if you're free, come join us. Well, I know the time that I did it, it it was useful because there was, there was that there was one individual in particular and she reached out to me a couple of times and was very, very appreciative because there's going to be people who have been working a long time yeah. who have insights and experiences that you're not going to get in a book and you're not going to exactly. get in a class. And we all yeah. have such wildly different experiences. Like your yeah. your experience at school, your career path looks nothing like mine. That's right? playing naked volleyball. You played na- you play <laughs> naked, naked volleyball. volleyball and you No, been... I was not going to play naked volleyball. <laughs> you've been not to for me. multiple European countries. You've worked with all of these elite athletes. Like this is very, very different than my experience as a therapist. And I appreciate hearing all of these these different experiences. So hopefully the new grads will get some useful information tomorrow night yeah, yeah it'll be good all right on this was fun thanks for coming in this was yeah good. you guys have been listening to two massage therapists in a microphone peace <laughs>